Hello, it's Paul Scott here, small caps blogger and investor and writer of the Small Cap Value Reports, along with Graham Neary and Roland Head on Stockopedia.com. So as usual, this is my weekly recap of what's happened during the week. Uh, I've been on holiday again this week. This is actually my third week out in Gozo, a small island off the coast of Malta. I love it out here. And I'm uh, alternating between doing normal work on the laptop one week and then um, resting the following week. Although the funny thing is, just put my phone on silent, the funny thing is I'm still doing all this, I'm still getting up at seven and reading the RNS and making notes on it, but it's um, it's quite relaxing not to have to actually write a report. And I've been putting comments in the reader comments as well. And it's rather nice uh, seeing the perspective of the customers and the clients um, from actually seeing the reports gestate each day. And I have to say what a great job Roland and uh, Graham have done. Obviously, I, you know, I have to say that, but it's true. <laughs> They've uh, belted out some brilliant reports, and they're quicker than me as well. They get them done by about 10.30, whereas I tend to like to take my time throughout the morning. Anyway, I'm back to working normally next week from Gozo, my last week in Gozo. So I'm looking forward to that. So what did they look at this week then? So Monday... Uh, the first stock, I think it was Graham, let me have a look. Uh, yeah, no, Roland actually looked at Reynold, R-N-O. Now, I think this is a previous mystery share of mine. I'm very, very uh, positive about this one. It's a cracking value share, and I think it's a much better business than a lot of small cap investors actually realise. I think I originally mentioned it at Mellow uh, a year or 18 months ago when it was about 14 pence and it's it's actually about double that now it's about 28 pence so there are not many small cap shares that have held on to the gains in the um, post-pandemic recovery period but Reynolds has uh, so yeah as I say it makes these it makes industrial chains it's a world leading brand this is the other thing it's um, <clears throat> very much seen as a quality maker of chains that last and these chains are used in everything you can think of whenever like conveyor belts baggage carousels you know anything where things are being moved on conveyor belts or, or anything like that will probably have some sort of chain drive mechanism from an electric, electric motor to the moving parts and uh, Reynolds is one of the world's top branded suppliers of these things and makes quite good margins well anyway Roland had a look at the trading update as did I from my uh, um, from my holiday apartment, and um, it's a very very good trading update. Um, <clears throat> the shares rose twelve percent to twenty eight p. This is Reynolds, and it's the um, financial year twenty twenty three. I didn't make a note of what month it is. Um, anyway, it's a materia- materially ahead of previously increased forecasts. Now that's very good, isn't it? And net debt has also come down. They they took on a fair bit of net debt, um, Reynolds did, to buy a rather amusingly called business called Yuck, Y-U-K. Uh, anyway, Yuck has turned out to be pretty good, so it's not yucky. Um, <clears throat> and now um, Roland only marked Reynolds as Amber, which, you know, he's a tough man to please, Roland, as he really is. I think that was a bit stingy. <coughs> I think Graham and Roland both commented on Reynolds, and they both sounded... Positive, but mm, a bit like that on it. Whereas I'm unequivocally green on Reynolds, and I should disclose, I did actually buy a starter size position in Reynolds, which again I'm operating on an ungeared basis at the moment. So I had to top slice a couple of other holdings, which I hate doing because there's nothing I actually want to sell. But I just people always say, don't they? When do you sell? For me, it's 
a question of uh, I sell if something's gone fundamentally wrong with the, with the position and I don't think it's any good anymore. Um, <clears throat> but also I'll sell if I think something else is better in terms of risk-reward. So if I find a better idea that I know pretty well, because I like to research things over a number of years often before necessarily actually buying any, uh, and that's exactly what's happened with Reynolds. I've held it previously briefly in a Spreadbet account, but... Um, I've obviously renounced the sins of spread betting and I don't use gearing now, so it's a lot tougher to choose what things to buy and what things to sell. So I'm finding it a struggle at the moment because I'm trying to limit my portfolio to only about 10 positions, but I really, almost on a daily basis, I keep finding things I want to buy. Anyway, Reynolds forecasts were up to about 20-odd percent and it's now on a P of, I think... uh, pretty much bang on five times, which is incredibly cheap. Um, But bear in mind it has this large pension deficit that sucks out uh, a fair bit of cash each year. But the company's managed to support the pension scheme without having to raise fresh equity. It's a very resilient uh, business. I think people who are saying, oh, I've got cyclical worries about this one are wrong, because it's demonstrated throughout the uh, pandemic that um, you don't have to worry about cyclicality because the chains that it sells are on pretty much fixed repair and replacement cycles. So, you know, if you've got a chain that's driving a conveyor belt at an airport or something, it has to be replaced every five years because it's a relatively small cost of the overall piece of equipment. I think I remember the management saying it was about 1%, I think. But the consequences of it going wrong are obviously quite serious because that could then mean that machine is out of action, potentially for days or weeks, which is much more costly than just replacing it when it when it when it's meant to be replaced. So this is resilient through recessions. It's not cyclical, particularly. There'll probably be an element of cyclicality, but not much. It's also demonstrated in the last year or so that it's got good pricing power. It's passed on. Now I think it was Roland who said, "Oh, you know, a lot of the increase in revenue at Reynolds could just be um, a price, you know, inflationary price rises fed through to customers." But so what? You know, increased revenue is increased revenue, the way I look at it. As long as they're maintaining their product margins, then I'm happy uh, however they get to increase revenue, even if volumes are static. If they're passing on price rises to customers and protecting the margins, that's great as far as I'm concerned, and it demonstrates pricing power. So I like Reynolds a lot. I think that's very good. But do make sure you've properly understood the, the pension fund if you... Uh, do go for it. And as always, none of our stuff is recommendations. It's just our personal opinions on individual shares. And we always disclose if we hold them personally. Next one, Graham looks at Supreme. This is um, a mixed bag, very entrepreneurial guy who set it up and run it, always impresses on webinars. Uh, Graham's green on this, um, which uh, now the vaping is the problem I've got with it. It's up to you if you want to invest in a business that does vaping. Personally, I don't. I think it's horrible vaping. I know people say it's better than smoking, but we don't actually know that. There isn't enough long-term evidence on that. And there's a lot of evidence that people are taking up vaping uh, as a sort of trendy thing to do, imagining that it's uh, an easier way to get addicted and a safer way to get addicted to nicotine than smoking is. So I'm not convinced that vaping's actually doing overall good. So for that reason, I'm not really interested in it. But the numbers are good, and it's eliminated its bank debt. What else have I got on my pad about this? Oh, comfortably ahead of financial year March 2023 update. Uh, adjusted EBITDA, they're flagging at 19.3 million, whereas the forecast previously was 18.5. 
Uh, and they're also saying guidance for March 2024 is above expectation. So no doubt, doubt about it being a good update from Supreme, and it's up to you how you view it. Now, Quiz, I thought this looked all right when I read the trading update uh, from Quiz. The, um, uh, what do you call it? It's a fashion retailer that focuses on stores and e-commerce that focuses on um, special occasion wear, so party frocks, basically. Um I thought I thought the trading update was quite good, but the market I obviously didn't hadn't had enough coffee because the market took fright at the outlook comments, which were relatively poor. It said February and March were difficult. Consumer confidence is limits the visibility and so on. So actually, on reflection, I jumped the gun on that, and um, it probably wasn't a particularly good update overall. But it's profitable. It's got plenty of cash. People worrying about the bank debt. It's a total red herring. I rang up the. Um, the company to to actually query that and they just basically said look don't worry about it you know we've got a little bit drawn down on the bank facility uh, just to kind of show that we won't want to keep the facility it's nothing more than that so this uh, I think people I had a, a couple of Twitter exchanges where people are convinced it's some sort of red flag or amber flag it isn't forget about it it's not significant the balance sheet overall at quiz is very good very solid um so anyway, I think Quiz is very good value, actually. Only 15 million market cap. Um, and it's just reported to at least £2 million profit before tax for March 2023. And it's going to open about 10 new stores. I think they've learned their lesson on store leases. That it's, the, it's signing up for expensive leases that brought the company down before when it did a CVA. It's now, as far as I'm aware, only doing turnover rents, which are just lovely. When I was an FD of a retailer, we had about 50 stores on turnover rents, and they were an absolute dream. There was only one that didn't make a profit. Even even the tiny ones, because the rent just adjusts to a fixed, usually ten, between 10 and, or between 9% and 12% of, of, of revenue is your rent. You pay it monthly in arrears. Um, also, the business rates are much lower on turnover rent stores, so it's just a beautiful way of setting things up. You don't tend to get turnover rents on the really absolutely prime units, though. But uh, anyway, I, I like Quiz. Um, I think it's down to about 12p. Looks quite good to me, but with some short-term challenges. Then the last one they looked at, and I looked at as well, was Cerulean, C-E-R. This is the software company for telecoms companies providing cl- modular cloud software. This was on my top 20 list of share picks for 2023, I think. It is expensive, but it's a great business. And trading, my notes on it, trading very strong. H1 revenue up 27%. Adjusted EBITDA up 38%. And there's not much difference between EBITDA and profit before tax. I wish companies would just just quote profit before tax. Whenever I see EBITDA, I worry that they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes, which a lot of them are. But in in Cerulean's case, they're not. It's got loads of cash, net cash up 43% to 23.6 million. Strong customer demand. It's funny, isn't it? Pipeline is strong. Even in times when apparently people are... Some software companies are saying companies, customers are cutting back and not signing contracts. Cerulean, no problem at all. The best businesses always sail through difficult macro conditions, I think. And they're confident the full year will be in line with market expectations at Cerulean. Sounds to me like there's probably a beat coming. Just another one I've got on my pad here that I don't think the chaps covered in the Small Cap Rally Report was IGP, which is Interseed. I've followed this for years. Nice turnaround there on this small software company with the most astonishing client list. 
Um, it put out a good year-end trading update, so that's quite encouraging as well. A couple of other little snippets from Monday. Uh, THG, the Hutt Group, announced that it had received a highly pre- preliminary and non-binding indicative, <laughs> indicative proposal. So a takeover approach from Apollo Global Management. That took the shares up 42% to 94p. I have to say the timing on that was lucky because it put out absolute absolute diabolical results the next day. Um, I think it's an absolute crock, this business. Just diabolical, terrible performance. Uh, Heavily loss-making, heavily cash-burning. No indication that there's actually a viable business there at all. It's just all hype from this guy who set it up and ran it, who looks like an absolutely typical, you know, tech boom, sort of delusional uh, BS merchant, quite frankly. Um, So I think just his presence at this company makes me want to avoid it, because I think he's so full of shit. Anyway... There was some interesting read across for ASOS and Boohoo that both went, both went up 5% at this apparent takeover approach for THG. Let's see what happens. I mean, if you like gambling on businesses that have never made a profit, then THG might be for you. The only positive I can think of on THG is that it's got big turnover, about 2 billion revenues. Um, so each 1% improvement in margin is another 20 million reduced losses, isn't it? Uh, so I suppose in those type of situations, if they can crack the gross margin and improve it strongly, uh, the opposite actually happened last year, its margin dropped, um, then you know maybe there's a pathway to eventually it making a profit. But uh, why would I want to gamble on that? I want to invest in companies that are already profitable, not hope at some point in the future it might become profitable. So THD, massive thumbs, THG, massive thumbs down from me. Now, the reader comments, I knew there was something particularly interesting on Monday. It was a post by Ben Hazard, and he's um, talked about using artificial intelligence, things like this chat GPT, and there's a Google uh, example, I think it's called Bard, which tries to do something similar. And I really don't understand how this stuff works, but he's used... um, the sort of search, not search, but AI tools. I think it is on online to try and work out how busy all the individual sites for Revolution Bars RBG. I hold uh, how um, how busy the sites have been. And anyway, the the you've got to be careful with this chat chat GTP stuff. I think Elon Musk has been warning about it, saying it needs to be regulated because it can just make stuff up if it doesn't find the right information. So <clears throat> I think you have to check everything it says. But anyway, he seemed to prove from the, um, based on the number of tags that Google has recorded or something at Revolution Bar's sites, he seems to be saying that he thinks the computer's saying to him that they're quite busy. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I do think that got 202 thumbs ups from the readers. So people are clearly, as I am, very, very interested in this artificial intelligence and it does seem to be an interesting way that people can get ahead of the market and uh, really find out inside information really about how companies are trading but it's seeing as it's coming from publicly available sources you could argue that they're not breaking any rules so I don't think they are breaking any rules really they're just being clever with their investigative work so I think we'll see more of this stuff where 
uh, people who've got the, the knowledge to, to take advantage of all this data that's out there could use it to their advantage. My only angle on it is I don't think it's something I'll personally be adopting because I just wouldn't know where to start, really. But I do think um, you might see this reflected in charts. You know, in other words, where people have found out using public data that a company's trading well, they'll start buying the shares. And so just looking at the share price and the, char- the chart might mean that buyers are becoming and sellers are becoming more informed. Whereas in the past, really, a lot of it's just been guesswork and sentiment-based. So maybe charting is going to become more reliable, because I personally don't think it's terribly reliable for small caps, because such small trades move the share prices a lot, because the market makers don't like holding any stock on their on their books. So interesting. So yeah, keep the comments coming on artificial intelligence and chat GTP. I think they're all very, very interesting. And we've got some interesting contrary views here. Dwit199 says, uh, I think Bard makes up the data. <laughs> um, <coughs> and it said, um, Bard replied uh, when asked if it used real data. It said, no, I didn't. I fabricated the data based on my knowledge of the two, two supermarkets. How bizarre. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. Uh, we also had a reader, a lot of reader comments on Monday about the paid-for research companies and various PR companies and so on, posting links to their research notes and their webinars and so on on Stockopedia. Now, I'm generally positive about this. I think the more information we get about companies, the better. But I do think the readers have got a point that really people who are posting um, research and views that they've been paid for should be making that 100% clear on every post I think, that's my personal opinion but as far as I'm concerned you know, for, for, for PI World in particular and Investor Meet Company and uh, Equity Development I think generally these firms are providing a very useful service so I hope they'll continue to um, uh, promote those but obviously we all have to bear in mind they're being paid a fee so it's not independent research but I mean surely everyone knows that don't they but there's, it's still useful stuff I think and you know, personally, I don't take any notice of any broker's target prices or overall opinions. You know, it's there just to give us information and uh, the more the merrier, really. But I think full disclosure on every post would be would be good. Right. 18 minutes on Monday. Oh, dear. Timing's not going very well, is it? So let's let's up the pace. I always say that Tuesday, 18th of April. Uh, now, I'm going to have a mystery share here, a company that reported on Tuesday and the shares um, shot up on the day. And I think it's still very cheap. It's a, an old share we followed for a long time, the Small Cap Valley Reports. And it uh, actually put out an ahead of market expectations update when everyone was expecting the same. So that's my mystery share for this week, um, which is just only mysterious because I'm reserving it for Stockopedia readers only. And then Touchstar... TST, a very tiny thing, put out um, results. Looked okay. Um, good growth there. 6.7 million revenues, so still very small. The EPS figure at Touchstar went from 4p to 6.6p, but it was helped by tax credits. So um, the bottom line with it, it only makes four, it only made 422 grand profit before tax. Um, so I'm not madly excited about Touchstar, but it is moving in the right direction, and it's very cheap. 
Um, oh, here we are. This was the result. I, I made notes myself on the results from THG, which I thought were absolutely dreadful. So, but I've covered that already. What did Graham and Roland looked at? Oh, French property franchise group. Um, now that seems to be quite interesting. Sim- quite similar to Belvoir Lettings, apparently. I like Belvoir a lot. Uh, <coughs> yeah, Graham's Green on property franchise groups. So, see Tuesday's report for that. Franchise franchise brands. Uh, Graham looked at the trading update. He's amber on that one. Now, this did something funny recently where it uh, announced a huge acquisition with a, um, a placing that was heavily discounted, although it was only giving back a recent big rise in share price. Uh, interesting business, I think, franchise brands. Seems to be making a, a big leap with this large acquisition. Now, Graham looked at Sportec. That's very small. Uh, and City Roland looked at City Pub Group, so that was Amber and some quick comments on Billington Holding and quick comments on Billington Holdings. So quite a fair bit in in Tuesday's report. Right on to Wednesday. Yeah, quite busy again. Paul Ver put out a uh, AGM update that Graham looked at. He's Amber on that. We, I've always liked Paul Ver, but it's just too expensive for what it is. Not massive growth there. So um, yeah, it's valuation that's the problem. Couple. Of, a couple of green items Graham liked um, was line trust asset managers. I don't look at those, but it's always interesting to see Graham's views on that because he's worked in the sector. Now, uh, Ready Northgate, this is the hybrid thing that does the um, hire cars for no-fault accidents, but also has the bought the Northgate business, via white van leasing business. This is this is very good value, I think. Roland liked this one, and I, I like it too. I've made some of my own notes. Um, adjusted PBT at the top end of the previous range. Um, also, for an interesting read across, it's saying new vehicle supply is starting to improve. But residual values are still strong, which helps disposal profits. So, uh, yeah, I like Ready Northgate, R-E-D-D, but those types of businesses never seem to attract high ratings. But you do get very generous dividends. Then what else? Graham looked at Discover IE ahead of expectations. Ah, M. Winkworth, I looked at that as well, W-I-N-K, a small estate agent that Roland looked at. Um... Quite interesting um, macro comments on that one. Did I make a note of them? Uh, oh, I thought I'd written those down somewhere. Maybe not. Um, but it was, it, yeah, it's worth looking at just for the re- read across, I think. Now, I've also noted that Audio Boom put out inline figures. Not interested in that. Management are too greedy. Amigo said no reason for uh, share price rise and that there's still going to be no value for shareholders. So to my mind, the shares really should have been suspended, but they haven't. ProCook, that was in line. Now, Cockney Rebel um, said he liked that one. I don't really see it myself. I also looked at Cakebox, C-B-O-X, in line with expectations. Interestingly, they said the cost of raw materials has now stabilised and that's being helped by lower freight costs, which I imagine would probably relate to possibly packaging materials being brought in from the Far East, at a guess, because I wouldn't have thought they'd be importing uh, cake ingredients from China, but you never know, do you? Uh, now, it says there was an improvement in H2 in sales and margins. Revenue's up 5%. I think Cakebox looks quite good, actually. I'm coming round to that one. I was barge polling it for a while after all those accounting problems which were pretty dreadful actually and the auditors uh, denouncing it and the former FD selling a large chunk of his own shares just before 
revealing that the auditors had announced. I mean, it stank, I have to say, but uh, but they do seem to have put things right, and they've got a new finance head, and there's been quite a long gap now between when the problems were last mentioned. So I think Cakebox could be okay now, and it does look good value. Uh, Pendragon, PDG, the car dealers, said comfortably ahead of market expectations. Now, Kitwave, K-I-T-W, Richard Crowe gave some very interesting analysis of this. That's Cogni Rebel, whose judgment I really respect. He's a fantastic investor with a great track record long term. He thinks Kitwave's very good. So I had a look at it and I agree with him. I think, uh, don't hold any personally. I think Richard, I'm sure Richard does. But I think it looks a very, very interesting uh, buy and build type of thing. I also watched a webinar from Totally, T-L-Y, and I'm wondering if that might be cheap. This is the uh, NHS outsourcing business. Um, Chromec, I looked at KMK. Uh, the weather wasn't very good on Wednesday out in Gozo, so I just did shares work instead, but I didn't publish anything, just made notes for myself, which I'm giving you now. Now, contract wins look interesting. I think Chromec is starting to... Um, turn for the better but I've looked at the balance sheet and the cash flows and so on and it definitely needs to raise more cash so personally I want to see it with five or six million cash in the bank which it needs before it would be investable for me Uh, on the beach OTB came up on one of my screens as looking cheap oh there was a bombshell from wood boys which I've never gone near it's always looked a bit it's one of these things that operates overseas but listed on aim Always looked a bit flaky. Well, the bank has withdrawn its $6 million debt facility and nabbed the $3.1 million, million of cash that it raised in a recent placing, which is most irregular. Um, I mean, it, it, it the shares, I think, dropped about 66% on Wednesday. So absolute disaster for shareholders. Looks like they'll maybe have to do another placing. All looks very um, wobbly to me. Um I don't know why people punt on things like this that are such high risk. But certainly, I mean, a bank actually withdrawing the facility and and taking the money's cash to offset against the bank debt, I don't think I can recall seeing that at any point, really, over the last 20-odd years that I've been doing that. So that's very peculiar. And it does make you worry, well, is it specific to this company, which I suspect it probably is, or are banks going to be withdrawing facilities more more generally that's the worry isn't it right thursday i I didn't look at the market on thursday so i'm looking at this small cap value report fresh they looked at roland and graham looked at mulberry which graham likes i think that's the one with a very very small free float though the handbags thing uh ig design now they've marked this red but a friend of mine who's got a big position in it hello william he's um much more bullish on it. This is the wrapping paper thing. Big revenues, about a million dollars a year, a billion dollars a year, but it's not really making any margin. Anyway, William thought the update was was quite good, but just badly written. Uh, but Roland's looked at it and said he thinks it looks rather bad. Uh, seems to have a big profit warning. He said. Um, uh, although I, I did actually, I've just remembered I did read this announcement, and I think they said they're on the cusp of signing the new bank facilities. That was my main worry with it, that it relies heavily on a seasonal bank facility. Um, so if that gets signed off, then I think IGR could be a lot more interesting. Um, but at the moment, it's a very, very low margin business, so you have to have, make that leap of faith that it'll be able to increase the margins, which means charging more to customers. Are customers going to be prepared to pay it? Don't know. 
Uh, who, what's this paypoint? Graham looked at this. We've we've looked at paypoint quite a few times and think it's, it looks very very good value. Um, <clears throat> so I haven't looked at it myself. Now GB Group, how the mighty have fallen here. A uh, big um, tech uh, exciting thing um, has, has really dropped a lot and it's come back into our remit at seven seven five million market cap. Roland actually likes it, which is quite surprising because he's very stringent with his views. So I'll have to read that report now. Dynomi DNM. This is actually on my watch list because I think it's quite a good business that looks to have been oversold from uh, um, a, a poorly timed IPO. Uh, yeah, Roland said that, disastrously timed IPO. Um, but he's saying the accounts look OK. I seem to recall, this is just from memory, that Dynomi's also got a nice strong balance sheet with plenty of cash. And I see the shares have bounced a bit since these results. So I will put that on my list. Oh, it's already there. Dynomi moved into profit. So I've got a, I'm going to have a look at that in a quiet moment this weekend myself. And then Rank, uh, they reported on, saying... Trading update at top end or above of expectations. So that sounds quite good. Okay, on to Friday. Now, the big bombshell on Friday that all the readers were talking about was IBPO. Now, this is a company we have actually covered before. I remember readers asked me to look at it a while back. Um, It is called... Where is it? It's called... um, iEnergizer, IBPO. Well, out of the blue, and this is a company with a 589 million market cap, it announced it's going to cancel its listing on AIM. Now, you really don't expect that, do you, from something worth nearly 600 million? It's an Indian IT group. Now, um, the shares just collapsed. They dropped about, I think, 75%. Now, the big warning sign with this share, which I have flagged previously in the small cap value reports, is that the major shareholder owns 80-something percent of the business. So it's totally controlled by this one individual. Um, And I think this is now, now that they're delisting it, um, it's it's a disaster because obviously if you own 85 or whatever, nearly 90% of a business, it doesn't really matter to you what the share price is because you own all of it, nearly all of it anyway. But the small shareholders have been absolutely hung out to dry on this. So I think the only conclusion we can now make is just don't buy shares in anything that has a major shareholder with a controlling stake. Um, you know, certainly over 50%, I would say, it, it just makes it an automatic avoid for me now. But it does ultimately, you're totally dependent on what that major shareholder is going to do. Now, very often, family-run companies have large controlling stakes. And we got caught out a bit recently by Fulham Shaw, didn't we, with an opportunistic takeover bid from the directors who controlled it. But, you know, at least they paid a 30% premium. But this I Energizer thing... Absolute catastrophe for small shareholders, losing 75%. Here we are. No, to cancel the listing requires a 75% vote, but the CEO, who's called Anil Agarwal, owns 82%. So he alone can delist it. I think really we've just got to we've just got to just not touch these things. And I think the aim rules need to be changed. You can't possibly have um, listings where one person controls the business and runs it and owns 82% of it. It's ludicrous. I'm nearly out of time. So just Foxton's put out a pretty good Q1 update. I had a look at that as well as Roland did. Cakebox. Oh, that was it. This was the trading update in line. Uh, 
Mattioli Woods, Graham looked at, and Manalay Partners, and Roland looked at, and DP Poland, oh, that's absolute rubbish. Uh, Graham looked at that, and he, he agreed it's red. So I think with that, we've, we're pretty much out of time. So bombshell of the week, I energise this cancellation of the AIM listing, I think is, is a disaster for AIM. Um, and... Um, it makes the um, it makes the people running it look pretty unethical as well. I'm afraid, you know, you don't list and then change your mind. Uh, so I think that one looks pretty awful. Um, so bad luck to anyone who got caught on it. All right, I've got to leave it there. The file size is getting too big. Take care then, and thanks for listening. Bye.